basic snitches. I'm rancid, and that's rotten. <laughs> we were sitting here like we always do, and we're always like, okay, how are we opening this one? We're like, I don't know. So... This fucker just hello. like hit record and I mean hey, I guess that's how you gotta do things, right? You just gotta hit record just and jump off the bridge. Do it. This is episode three of season two of Basic Snitches. Yay! We're reading the chapter The Burrow. Yup. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, in case you forgot what book number two was. Yeah. I just spilled water on myself. Well, at least it was in the wine. Yeah, that's right. The trends this season. <laughs> Is wine that we are the episodes. drinking a lot of wine with each episode? Although I think we've only drank like oh no, that is more than I thought. Eh, two thirds of a bottle. Good job, us. Yes. So you know, I do the winner and loser of each chapter at the beginning of the following episode now, and I have to talk about how last episode I had a really hard time with it. So the loser of the chapter is Dobby. Mm. I'm giving Dobby the loss for a lot of the reasons that we were discussing in the episode about how like he's not listening to Harry, which I think is just a very frustrating thing. It really like sets Harry up for not a good time. And mostly I give him the loss because of how it affects Harry, not because his intentions were not good. I am not giving anyone a win oh my for God. that chapter. I know. I always, I love everyone. I'm going to give Harry like a, what's the word? Miscongeniality? No, participation trophy for <laughs> doing his best to calm Dobby down during the whole thing. But it's not a win because it wasn't successful. So participation trophy for Harry. Dobby gets the loss. There's chapter two. Wow. I know. That is unexpected. Ooh. And for me anyways, that's a little bit unexpected, but hey, whatever. Win loses your thing and so. points a man. So interesting. Did you write an outline for me? I did, Beach. Okay. Okay. I am ready um, to read it. Is it 16 pages long? Well, you would think because these chapters are long as fuck. So here you go. Chapter three, The Burrow. Ron, Fred, and George have come to save the day and break Harry out of prison in a flying car. They pull the bars off the window and sneak downstairs to pick the lock of the cupboard to retrieve all of Harry's magical things while trying not to wake up the fuckheads. They almost succeed, except Harry almost forgot about the most important thing, Hedwig, and she's all like, you forgot me, bitch, and wakes up Vernon who breaks through the wall looking and acting like the fucking Kool-Aid man who tries to pull Harry back into the room. But luckily Harry gets away Flips the bird to the stupid assholes on the way out. Literally, because Hedwig gets to fly freely as the Weasley boys bring Harry back to their house. On the way, Harry tells them about Dobby, and they quickly come to the realization that Dobby must belong to the Malfoys. So much for 17 chapters of suspense like the last book. He also learns that the car was bewitched to fly by Arthur Weasley, their dad, which is the most magic dad thing ever, especially since he also works for the ministry in the Department of Muggle Fuckups. They make their way to the burrow where the Weasleys live. It's a wacky looking overgrown house that is also the perfect blend of relatable and magical. Molly Weasley is about to burn the whole house down though because she is mad. She punishes the boys by forcing the Weasley boys to denome the garden, which is the muggle equivalent of shot pudding squirrels. She also feeds Harry enough sausage to make Dumbledore quiver with it. I forgot that I wrote some of these things. <laughs> that one I did forget I wrote. Okay. She sorry. also. <laughs> <laughs> she also feeds Harry enough sausage to make Dumbledore quiver with envy. <laughs> LOL. Wow. 
<laughs> Good job, well, me. <laughs> that's a gay joke for those of you not paying attention. <laughs> Happy National Coming Out Day. <laughs> I did not write that, but that's even more ironic. Oh my god. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> when they're finished, Arthur Weasley comes home and meets Harry. Ginny also gushes over Harry. You just know she has GW plus HP forever written all over her diary and hearts. Sure, maybe it's a bit uncouth to mention Ginny and diaries this early in the book, but let's be honest, that's canon and Trelawney could take a note or two from Ginny because she is manifesting her destiny. I actually don't know how to say that. Manifesting her destiny. No, the okr. Okr. I can't do that. Try. <laughs> Come on, try for the listeners. <laughs> okay. Roll your R's. I can't roll my R's. Okr. I can't. Okr. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Maybe that's the title of this episode. <laughs> oh, Kurt. <laughs> we did not drink the full bottle, I swear. And Trelawney could take a note or two from Ginny because she is manifesting her destiny. Except, is she really? After all, this chapter ends with Harry and Ron going up to his bedroom, Ron's ears turning pink, and we're left with another cliffhanger. There's a joke in there about Chudley cannons, too, but I'll let you figure that one out for yourself. This is very short for you. I know. I tried because I'm, your chapter your for the next episode is, there's so much in it, but... I mean, I didn't put that much in there. Can I also talk about how when you said, you forgot me, bitch, you really channeled me, so. <laughs> Well, I was making all kinds of comments about, are you fucking kidding me? You left Hedwig, but... Yes. Also canon, that's how Hedwig's speaking voice would be. Ah, I'm Hedwig! <laughs> Absolutely. She's like Vangie. My God. All right, so this is nice because we are away from the muggles. Fucking muggles. Hell Bye. Yes. yes. So the chapter starts literally with Ron and the twins rescuing Harry. It's so cute. I love this. Harry has lived with the Dursleys for the last however many weeks through his birthday. So it's the, it's the end of the summer now. And then literally this super fucking magical thing hits him because he hasn't had magic in weeks. And he's like, oh, now there's a flying car. Yeah. <laughs> With three wizards in like, it. Like magic overload. So I think that's really great. They're like floating outside the window. And then Ron's like, what's been going on? Why haven't we been answering my letters? And he like goes on and on and on and on. So when Harry starts talking, Ron's like, okay, stop talking. We got to get you out of here. And I'm like, Ron, you fucking started it. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Harry and Ron are going back and forth, but Ron's asking all these questions and talking. Finally, Harry gets to talk and then he's like, shh, no, we gotta, we gotta go. And I'm like, you started this. <laughs> but it's also funny because it's just like how you get excited, how we do. We're like, oh yeah, we gotta talk about this. And we're like, oh, we actually need to move on and do this yeah. thing. <laughs> like recording this podcast. Gee, that sounds familiar. <laughs> but I, I do love that little thing. Yeah. One thing that I wrote down as kind of like a question that the text made me think about, like I always do, what do you think that Ron and Hermione thought when their letters were being unanswered? It's very interesting because Ron is like, we were worried about you and he's very aware that there's possibly a situation. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that that's really cool of Ron to kind of be mature enough to be like, I mean, and he lives in a very loving household and his mother's been worrying all summer and things like that too. And he's been getting letters from Hermione, like, what's up with Harry? You know, but the fact that he just outright says that, and like, that's very interesting that a 12 year old boy is like, hey, I've been worried about your friend. You. Yeah. Okay. 
Hermione definitely very concerned because that's Hermione and that's how she thinks and she's always 40 steps ahead of every single person. But I think that they both were legitimately concerned and I think that they both were like, I don't know what to do about the situation. What do you think they thought was wrong? Like, why was Harry not responding? My thought is they're thinking something went wrong with Voldemort, perhaps. Even thinking back to, like, the whole Dobby situation, which they do solve that very, very quickly. Yes, we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah. But there's all these other things. Draco and, and Lucius, who we're going to meet soon. There's Snape. Perhaps what is going through their minds is like, man, maybe we need to go rescue them because of XYZ instead of the Dursleys. Right. Well, I don't think Hermione would have thought that direction. I think Hermione... Is just worrying. I think because Harry was not secretive about his life with the Dursleys. Ron and Hermione especially know about Harry's life with the Dursleys. I think Hermione is also smart enough and just she's paying enough attention. Because I don't want to be like, Ron isn't smart. But Hermione is paying enough attention. If it were her Voldemort related, she knows everyone would know about it. It's like Harry at the beginning of the fifth book where he's like, well, if Voldemort were doing something, it would have been right there on the front page. It's it's that mentality that they're having at 12. Like Hermione in that book is like, no, Harry, he's not operating that way. But when they're 12, I think they're all probably thinking, yeah. if it's Voldemort, it's big. I might not even think that it's an age thing. I think it might just be a culture thing at the moment because he's still been gone for such a long time. Right. No one's thinking about yeah. him. Whereas Harry came out of that maze and was like, Voldemort's back. And even though people are like quick to shut him down, that news is now out yeah. there. Like no one knew there was this moment that happened with Voldemort. And he just came out for, of a coma. Yeah. You know? Like no one knew about what happened in Harry's first year except for the people Dumbledore who were there. And th- those three, yeah. Right. Even though like Dumbledore says the whole school knows about it, the whole school knew about Harry and Quirrell, not Voldemort. Right. Still, I think you're right. It's where the world is sitting in that space. The one other thing that I think of is how starting off with the trio, Hermione definitely wasn't a part of it. It was just the Ron and Harry show. And then eventually after the troll incident, Hermione got into that as well. So on a base level, Hermione is a lot less likely to jump to the conclusion of, oh, Harry's not my friend. Perhaps something about that, like, oh, well, they were better friends and whatnot. Now, at the same time, like, I think she also knows Ron is a solid enough bitch not to lie to her. And like, I can imagine them both saying like, have you ever heard anything? Have you heard anything? Et cetera. So, and also their last interaction with Harry, like if if they really are all considering themselves a trio in this like unit that they are, the very last thing that they experienced together at school was one of them being knocked unconscious and one of them nearly dying. They're probably not thinking, well, I wonder if Harry finished reading History of Magic homework for the summer, you know? Yeah. They've already hit this reality of there's more to this than when school. When you get, go through something They're like fucking that, 12 years old and they're all in that place. As, as immature as Ron is, he's not not in that place. Yeah. You know, he yeah. understands. So the next thing that happens is Ron is like, okay, let's get you the fuck out of here. And he's like, go get your stuff. Harry's like, I don't have my stuff. It's all under the stairs. So the Weasleys are like, well, we're going to go get that for you. (laughs) It's great. And I like a lot of these little details. First of all, like one of the twins says something like, oh, this is a muggle talent picking locks. But I always think that it can come in handy. I mean, who better to know how to pick locks than than George? That's amazing. The other thing is how Harry's like, don't step on this step because it squeaks. Yeah. 
So they managed to get everything back up without waking the Dursleys. Until Harry's a fucking terrible pet owner and, and leaves Hedwig. And Hedwig's like, ah, oh, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm still here. And then literally, like, it feels like it's a split second. Motherfucking Dursley really does, like, just bash through the door like really the Kool-Aid does. man. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, bitch. Oh, no, bitch. And he tries pulling him out. I wrote something down that is another hypothetical, but I th- the answer is obvious. We talked about it in the last episode. Like, why do they care so much about him leaving? Isn't that what they want is him to be out of the hair? But it's what you touched on in, like, they relish in making Harry miserable. So he tries pulling him back in. Again, it's like, what do you think is going to happen after this? Your window is, like, broken open. The bars are gone. There are now people out there who know that you are locking this kid up. He's ridiculous. But... Harry gets away. Then they start talking about some of the things that have happened. Obviously, he tells them all about Dobby. And they start thinking about, okay, who could this Dobby guy be from? Oh, yeah. Pour that wine, bitch. That's right. Oh, now the wine bottle is empty. So, (laughs) buckle in, listeners. Speaking of buckled in, they're driving a car there. And (laughs) they really, really quickly are like, well... House elves belong to wealthy wizards. Who do we know that is a wealthy wizard? The Malfoys. Yeah. Like, it's super fast. Like, when we compare it, I talk about this all the fucking time, but that egg, that egg moment is special to me. Oh. (laughs) But, like, it took a while for that to kind of ruminate. I mean, to be fair, like, same. But they get to this conclusion of Dobby maybe belongs to the Malfoys. And then they start to think maybe Malfoy sent Dobby to try to get him not to come to school. Right. Which is interesting because, A, that is completely not how house cells and wizards work, especially cruel ones like the Malfoys. But second of all, I can't imagine like that is the game that the Malfoys play. It doesn't seem that that seems a little too innocent for them. You know what I mean? I just think it's so fun that they jumped to that conclusion. It is. It's the right one so fast. I absolutely can say for a fact that when I read this book the first time, I read through the part where they're discussing the Malfoys, probably having a house elf because they're rich and Malfoys wouldn't want Harry to go to school. Like literally this conclusion in my brain and just like let it go. And not until the end of the book was I like, oh, right. Yeah. Oh. And I wasn't even like, oh, yeah, right. I was like, oh, my gosh, okay. You know, I remember just being not shocked at the very obvious thing, but kind of coming to that place where, like, oh, right, okay. Pleasantly surprised. I wasn't in a place where I was like, oh, I I came up with this conclusion. But I do know that I didn't go, "Mm, I got this figured out. And it's really funny because they have the same track. They come to that conclusion And then they meet Dobby later on in the book and there's no like, oh, well, Dobby is the Malfoys until you literally have Dobby and Lucius together. At the very end. Yes, that's actually what it is. Yeah. It's pretty cool. The other thing that they talk about too, they talk about some really good shit on this car ride. This is a little bit of a movie comparison too, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit. But it took them fucking forever to drive back to the borough. Now, to be fair, like I've never been to England I don't know how far away things are, but it seems like it took them a really long time. That's that's not my point. I'm going to math this. <laughs> I need you to just keep talking. Okay. The other thing they talk about is Arthur's job. In the last episode, I talked about like the wizard class system, and now we're learning about how muggles and wizards kind of interact. Because before this point, we haven't seen too 
too much other than we know about squibs from Mrs. Fig. We know how the Dursleys are such huge assholes and that we know that Hermione and other wizards have non-magical parents. But we start to learn a lot more about Arthur's job and they talk about this enchanted tea set. Again, me and my hypotheticals, I came up with a lot because we're getting into some really fun new territory here. But the two main questions I asked are, what do some of these witches and wizards have a use for for some of these things? Like a tea set that spouts tea all over the place or shrinking keys. But at the same time, if they're able to do things like track spells of wizards, at least by proximity, why isn't there like a safety on magical stuff? And we've actually seen this happen. Well, timeline wise, we've seen it happen already. But in terms of like production wise in the real world, it's it's Newt's case. Newt's case has a magical safety on it. So perhaps they do have safeties for like, okay, well, I want my evil tea set to stop being magical. Here's the like little safety or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think about that? Especially, I think the tea set. Before I comment on that, mm -hmm. I just want to point out, other than the fact that, like, Little Whinging is an real place, but Surrey is, like, just south of London. Mm -hmm. Audrey St. Catchpole is a real place. Yeah. And it's near, like, Southampton. It's a two-and-a-half-hour drive. So it's probably okay. a pretty long so flying car ride. So maybe that makes a little bit more sense. Because, I mean, the cars You know, the like official airplane. Google Maps of the world tell me... And obviously we don't know what part of sorry little whinging or however you say it yeah. is supposed to be. But yeah, we had to discuss that. Okay. But no. I want... I'm, I'm glad that you looked that up because <laughs> that answers my question. Like, I want to go back to what you were saying about having this kind of thing in place to, to monitor magic use in like muggle world. This was my thought. The reason why I brought it up in this chapter is because they're like, but Harry, you can't do that. And we're talking about Arthur working in the... Ministry of Magic. What I'm curious about is how the Statue of Secrecy works with muggles who already know that wizards exist. Is Harry in more trouble because the magic happened in front of muggles or because he did magic? He did magic in front of the Masons. And that's the thing because then he gets in trouble for it in for real because he actually does magic in the fifth book in front of a muggle who knows he's magical. Yeah. Obviously the focus is on him doing underage magic. But my next half of that question is how does that work with, say, I'm a witch, obviously, and my spouse is a muggle? Are they not allowed to know that I can do magic? My thought is that it's an underage thing, but we either said this in the last episode or it was a thought I had when we were editing it. There are so many loopholes here, which makes it an interesting topic. I feel like there should be like an approved list of spells or something. Because yeah. then we even get into one of Hermione's letters where she says, oh, of course I've been hard at work with schoolwork. And it's like, bitch, how? Like, have you just been reading all of the books? I mean, that's what she's ahead been of time. Doing. But then like, how do you practice? Because she gets on the Hogwarts Express in the first book and is like, I can do magic. I'm great. Yeah. And she hasn't had an opportunity to practice that. And she instantly fixes his glasses. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's a movie thing. Ron's the only one who tries to do magic. But like, if the kids are doing magic on the train, does that happen? Is that allowed? Yeah. I don't know. We don't know. Was that literally his first time being like, oh, I'm going to try doing this spell in front of this boy. And in the book, he says, you know, that the twins taught him that spell. Yeah. When did they teach him? The twins were allowed to do magic at Hogwarts, but Ron had right. been to Hogwarts yet. So I don't know. Or what... are the twins just fucking with him because they would do that? Well, we that's, all know I mean, the answer to that's that. That's the answer. But, so anyway, I but don't... Yeah. Woo! 
I don't know. I like it. I Some of this stuff about like the ministry and all of its rules and whatnot of magical rule breaking, we've surprisingly run into a lot of instances already. And we're still very early in the series. Yeah. I would like to comment on when they start talking about the Malfoys and Harry says, well, Malfoy's not exactly a common name, is it? I'm like, Harry, how do you know what's a common name? <laughs> He's a name expert. He's a name expert. What, like, do, what do you think he did? People be like Potter. That's not a common name. Like, it's fucking Potter. I mean, now we know that when he was in that cover under the stairs, all he did was read baby name books. Right. I mean, baby name books don't have last names. Right. Or surname the surname, but I don't, surname books exist, <laughs> yeah. obviously. Yeah, I was, I'm just. I was like, really, Harry? Now you're an expert. Mm-hmm. And of course, we know names like Potter, for example, or like Shoemaker or Smith. Those come from like the profession that somebody had. Um, like Bowers, my last name mm-hmm. it was the name of like a servant and bowers was almost like a living quarters kind of thing like chambers chambers bowers are very similar in etymology mm-hmm. um corkery i that's just irish as fuck it's very irish <laughs> people will say that about my name they'll be like that's a very uncommon name and i was like not if you're in ireland yeah i like that little thing though i love etymology and names and ancestry and things like that so then we finally get to the borough they get to the borough and it has this very authentic authentic feel to me. The Dursleys are just so manufactured. And I know I've referenced keeping up appearances and things like that in the past. And this is coming from somebody who is very orderly as well. The feel of the Baroque to me just feels natural. Like it feels lived in. It just feels authentic. And I think we're so much in Harry's like mind at this point. Mm -hmm. We just left such a shitty place and harry is just like yes i love yeah. this you know and we love it too and such a personalityless place because yeah. there's so much personality in the borough yeah and there's like nothing at private drive yeah again this is the movie talking but when i think of private drive i think of it being like very stark whereas when i think of the borough i think of instantly like warm colors and it just feels mm-hmm. homey and cozy and all of those great things Like I told you, a lot of hypotheticals in this chapter. But he describes the house as being like held up by magic. And it almost looks like different rooms were like plopped on here and there. Mm -hmm. And part of me was like, why do you think they built the house this way? But the answer is obvious. It's because they fucked a lot. And like, as they had more and more children, they were like, well, we need somewhere else for this bitch to sleep. (laughs) So they like magicked new rooms. At least that's where my brain goes. Do you have another thought on that? I didn't. I didn't really have a thought. I feel like maybe the Weasleys have a fair amount of land. Maybe it's not mm-hmm. land that you can build on. Yeah. Or maybe that's just how they prefer their house. They like the house stacked on top of itself. Like Ron is like, I'm at the top. So he's got his own room. And like when the, and it's in other books even when Harry's like on this landing, he sees, oh no, it's in this book where he sees like Percy's room. And then each one of them has like their own level. Maybe that's just what they chose to do. Or maybe it's not like that. Maybe I'm just imagining it differently. That also sort of supports my theory too. Because Ron's at the top. He's one of the youngest. So hey, there's not much more room left but to go up. It's things like that. Another homey kind of thing that I put in here were things like the magic-themed books. Like, Ugh. there was one called Charm Your Own Cheese. Yes, And Charm that your seems like cheese. such a fucking thing that a Molly Weasley mom would get. She's crafty and, oh my God, I'm going to learn how to make my own cheese. I'm going to learn how to do X, Y, Z. That sort of stuff I really enjoy. The clock is another thing. Another hypothetical I wrote down was if you had a magical clock, which personally I would not because I don't want anybody to know where the fuck I am. (laughs) 
I have but, a magical clock. I know where you are all the fucking time. <laughs> that's why, like, I stopped using Foursquare. Remember that? <laughs> I right? Was like, I don't want people knowing where I am. But where would you have your Terra hand point? Like, all of the different places that you go. Work, theater, speech. Mm-hmm. Work, theater, gym. Pet sitting. Home. Hiking. None your fucking business. None your fucking business. That would be one of mine. I'm like the Arthur Weasley of the muggle world because he's so invested in like all these muggle inventions and whatnot. Every time there's something new that is a magical version of a normal basic muggle object, I'm fascinated by it. And so, of course, I like the clock. You know what my favorite part of this whole thing, though, is? Just the regular breakfast scene where she's like disciplining her children and then Arthur comes in and Harry's just kind of there. I remember having moments like that with my friends and oh. their families. And my friend is like, they like fucked up and their family's just like, I don't give a shit that your friend's here. I'm going to reprimand yeah. you. And I was just like, I love this. This is so relatable. It's so funny because as you were saying that, I recall times like that. Or this is such a relatable thing that you can smell it. Like mm-hmm. I can smell waking up to breakfast when my dad would cook breakfast in the morning. I mean, even other things. I'm not Italian at all, but having Italian friends, I mean, Molly feeds Harry like all an Italian son. Food. It just makes the Weasleys... So much more lovable. We've said it already in the past two episodes. Like, Ron didn't get most praise in the last book, but there's such a big focus on him and his family and his background here. It's hard not to just enjoy everything that is happening. This scene is like Diagon Alley. There's just so much to see, and it's it's a reminder of that we're back in the magical world. Um, I have a thing to tell you about the gnomes. So first of all, I'm going to tell you what I meant to write here. So sometimes when I make notes on my phone, I will just voice to text. I will do that in the car. Sometimes if I'm listening on the audiobook, uh-huh. I'll like just turn on the little mic and be like, these are my notes. And hopefully they make enough sense that I know what I'm trying to say later. I know what I was trying to say. What I was trying to say is if I was one of the gnomes, mm-hmm. I would just fucking go live in a muggle's yard because they ain't gonna throw me over the fence because oh, they don't absolutely. know what I am. And they're gonna think it's like squirrels or moles or something. Right. So this is what my voice to text thought I said. Hold on, you're not ready. P.I. Feel like murder and gold smuggles don't know what they are. And they would just do whatever the hell they wanted. <laughs> what are murder and gold smuggles? Um, like murderers and thieves, right? <laughs> I'm not joking. P.I. Like private investigator? Oh, yeah. That's what it is. I was like, what is my phone? Your fucking phone is a murderino. <laughs> That's what's happening here. that happened. And I'm glad that you mentioned the denoming, because that is a major, major thing. So when I think of denoming, I think, I know I've mentioned this in the past, but I think of the Lego Harry Potters. There's like a little mini game where you have to denome the garden and you have to like throw one through like a basketball hoop and you have to throw one at like a (laughs) target and things like stuff. Stuff like that. But I don't know. I love this also like call back to, hey, wizards have muggle problems too. That's why I mentioned like a squirrel. I was trying to think of like pests that are like in your garden eating your vegetables, which I've definitely had a problem with. I only grow like hot peppers now because <laughs> last year I had some little motherfucker going back there and eating my carrots and my radishes and things like that. Rude. It's so funny that this is the tactic that they have to use. And it's so like non-magical. They have to grab these fucking gnomes and like whirl them around their head and throw them. I love it. It's somehow in the most strange way makes them even more relatable. 
I love the whole thing. I love when Arthur comes home. He's just like, what, Harry? Oh, oh, you're, oh, are you Harry Potter? Also, does he sleep because he like works all night? And does he work all day? Yeah, because I'm like, that sucks, the poor guy. I wonder if this is one time where he had to work overnight. Because of the raids? Maybe. Because that's what they're talking about. Because I feel like in the future we see him during the day at work, especially in book five. I think it's in the sixth book when he's just like being worked around the clock because yeah. they're all working around the clock. So yeah. maybe it's like that. I love all the conversations about like the muggle baiting and he's just like, oh, muggles are precious. <laughs> I love Arthur Weasley. He's just, he's yeah, precious. In the past, like I never paid too much attention to Arthur because I mean, Molly. But <laughs> Molly is fucking great. <laughs> Molly's amazing. Really analyzing the chapter more and looking at like the dadisms, like I mentioned the, the whole thing about like enchanting a magical car. I think of like a dad tinkering around mm -hmm. in the garage or yeah. in the basement. It just seems so real. The other thing is, and his muggle obsession or muggle infatuation or whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. is definitely like a humorous thing. But it's also a person with power recognizing the misuse of muggle artifacts office that he works for. Mm -hmm. In your summary, you called the muggle fuck ups or whatever. And it's yeah. like, it's not even like the muggles fucking up. It's literally like them making sure that wizards are not hurting muggles. It is played for laughs in this book, which is fine. And it's, it's a lot easier to read. But it shows how he cares about it, these people. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. It shows how there are wizards and he's not the only one. He has at least Perkins or whatever his name is. <laughs> and probably some other people. Yes, there are absolutely people out there looking out for muggles. So even as we get into the later books and you see how the system is corrupt, of course you know there are people inside who are caring like Arthur and when you later meet in Kingsley for the muggles. The only other thing I want to say about him too is it's someone passionate about their job, like in the nerdiest little way. Yes, like, I love that. And it's written in that nerdy way of like, why the fuck does this guy care so much about muggles? Like I have my master sheet of advertising everything at work and it's my baby. And this past week, for some reason, I had an IT issue where for some reason it wouldn't let me open the file and it's fixed now. But like, it was like, oh my God, I need to get in there. Like that's, that's everything to that's me. That's everything. Yeah. And I take such pride and joy. We had somebody new join our team and we had a little one-on-one -on -one so she could kind of see, you know, the world of advertising. I kind of showed her this and I was like, if you ever want to just like come see everything that this has to offer. And it's a fucking spreadsheet. Like it's nobody, fine. nobody is interested in this except for me. And maybe my boss. My boss is probably also interested in this, but spreadsheets. Oh, like I love Excel them. is my favorite thing. If we have anybody in college, something that you could learn when you're in college or high school or anything, you don't any human out there, go learn Excel. It is a whole world of possibilities. Yes, I sound like a fucking data nerd. I don't care. It's amazing. Excel is the best. Microsoft should give us a sponsorship. sponsorship. Yes, that's right. Pay please. us, Microsoft. Please. We're promoting you. your products. Yes, very effective. Publisher also is good. We sound so really professional. So Hooray, Microsoft. I have one more thing to say. Okay. Well, two more things. I just want to attest again to like the innocence and sweetness of these children. First of all, I forget about awkward Ginny and I love her. She's just 
so adorable but also this last scene in the book is really touching ron being like this is my room and just expecting harry to be like not impressed because you know he's like harry has a bigger bedroom than him in the smallest bedroom in his house which is crazy but yeah. clearly like the dursleys are much more well off than the weasleys even though harry is not in that situation and ron is very self-conscious again he is the youngest son of all of these boys who have been achieving everything and he's always self-conscious and harry comes in his room and he's just like oh my god what if he sees this and things i just related so much to ron there like when i have friends come to my house we're not my closest friends because y'all just have to deal with me and y'all used to me or whatever but like i've had people come to my house and even like the first time any of you came to my house i was like Oh my god, are they gonna like think that this yeah. is whatever or whatever? You know, just we get like that, and he's like, eh, what do you think? And yeah. he's like, and Harry loves it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think it's a true testament of, even though it doesn't say that the book is always from Harry's point of view, I think absolutely in this moment, Harry recognizes not only one, that he loves this house, also he recognizes, I think, his friend's like anxiety about it mm-hmm. and can sincerely say, no. This is the best place I've ever been. Again, it's one of my favorite yeah. like endings of a chapter. So even the amount of like personality, I think of like the toad spawn thing and all the Chudley cannons merge. Right, that's your Quidditch team. And yeah, all the fucking orange. <laughs> all of the like personality in this house and in Ron's room and everything makes it also so nice and such a nice contrast to the dullness of the Dursleys. But I also like the comparison that you said of how the Dursleys are probably more well-off. You look at what they do. Fucking Vernon works with the drills, which sounds terrible. He's probably a BFD in that company. Yeah, absolutely. At first I was like, BFD? Like CIO? Like what does this stand for? BFD is big fucking deal in case you're an idiot like me and didn't realize what term it. But then like Arthur works for the Ministry of Magic and deals with like magical shit all day. So the moral of this chapter is do what you love, but most importantly, only if you work in Microsoft Excel. Anyways. <laughs> Movie time. Movie. There's quite a few changes here and there things are. that they left out that make me angry in the movie. Okay. So first, before we get out of the Dursleys, the fact that they have to sneak down the stairs. I get it, brevity in a movie, but like I love that. And the fact I love it that too. Well, Harry's trunk is in the room. Yeah. In the movie. Yeah, I like that whole thing. In the movie, too, Vernon has to unlock all the locks in the doors, which is fun. That is a fun visual. And that's actually what I kind of expect. You know, like, that was my visual, I think. In the book, and it's very in character for Vernon, the whole, like, Kool-Aid man moment of him bursting angrily, like, with a frenzy in his eyes matches a little bit better for the book, I think. Whereas in the movie, I think they're painted more as being just fucking dumb instead of, like, evil. Yeah, well, I mean, again, and there's the cartoony ending of him literally falling out the window. I'm like, that probably should have seriously hurt him. Yeah, I wish it would have. Right? I'm not even sad for saying um, that. should have broken his neck. don't forget that Wait Harry a minute. Verna doesn't I, have a neck. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go on. I interrupted you. No, that's okay. <laughs> but it was a point that had to be said. Vernon <laughs> doesn't have a neck. No. Rude. JK says it several times. She does. <laughs> Harry did not forget Hedwig in the movie. He's no. like, here's Hedwig. 
And then he was last. Exactly. like, that's right, Harry. That's a good point because they tiptoe down the stairs. Vernon keeps coughing. Right. The thing that wakes up Vernon is them pulling the bars off the house, which is probably a little more realistic. Right. Then Hedwig being like, fuck you. Yeah. I like different things about both of those. Oh, yeah. Scenarios. I mean, I always prefer the book, but I love when the movie does things that I enjoy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The cartoony aspect and th- somehow it's more cartoony and more realistic, perhaps, because yeah. of the whole bars. Now, this would have been boring to put in the movie at this point because it's a movie for kids, mostly. Awesome kids, but still children. All of the dialogue that happens in the car, I really, really like. I think it's important. I think it's It's very important. They didn't obviously have all that, but I get it in the movie. Right. So we don't get any of that download about what Dobby was about. I just want to comment. So they're flying through the air, whatever. And as they're landing at home, the sun is completely fucked up. It is daytime. So that is one of the reasons why I was like, fuck, it took them a long time. Right. Well, I mean, Harry was like dead asleep in the movie. Whereas like in the book, he has having all these weird ass dreams. You don't really know what time. You don't really know what time it is. Maybe it's like 5 a.m. Either way. Like right now in Ohio, I'll wake up at around 7. The sun isn't up yet. I'll be like, are you fucking kidding me? It's just now coming up. It's dark, bitch. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and like I said, I've never been to the UK. I don't know what their seasonal light issues are. (laughs) Probably very similar to ours. It changes throughout the year. Yeah. Can we talk about the front seat switch? Oh, yes. So (laughs) when we were watching this, this is something that you noticed. I see things like this all the time online where it's like, oh my God, bloopers in movies and stuff. And when they point it out, it's like, how did you fucking not notice? But Tara noticed this. So when they pull up to the window and they're floating outside the window, Fred is driving and Ron is in the front seat with Fred and then Harry gets in the car, whatever. When they land at the borough, Harry is totally in the front seat and Ron is behind him. And I'm like, the fuck is this? Like, are they like jumping around in the car? Maybe they had to stop at like sheets or something and like they switched or... (laughs) They were like, I'm hungry. I need to get some nice road trip snacks. Maybe they had, what is that called? A Chinese fire drill? Which I'm sure is... Probably racist. Probably racist. We don't know what that means really. The thing where you stop the car and everyone like runs around and gets back in really fast. Yeah. In the middle of the air, they had their brooms. Oh, but the ministry didn't care about that. They were like, that's fine. That's fine. You can... I like that you noticed that because I was like, what? I never noticed those things. But another thing that happens when we get to the borough, Harry has time to like go in there sneaking into their house. We've all been there sneaking back in at home. At least I have. <laughs> Tara was kind of looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was an angel. Ah! <laughs> I know you weren't an angel. You're not an angel now. So <laughs> I might be a little bit more of a devil than you, but still. But Harry gets some time to like soak in the Weasley atmosphere. Fucking Molly Weasley just appeared. Where have you been? Yes, because in the book, she like storms out and they compare it to a saber-toothed tiger. In the movie, she says something like, you could have died, you could have been seen, which is the Molly version of, we could have been killed or worse, expelled. So I thought of that too. Yes. And then of course, like as soon as she's like, where have you been? Hello, Harry. Like it's, it's it's great. It's a nice truncated version of what happens in the book, yeah. just in a different face or yeah. however they want to set that up. But. I think that they portray <laughs> the burrow very, very well. I would have loved to see like Ron's bedroom. I would have loved to see even more magic stuff, but obvious. I mean, you all knew that. I love that we get to see the knitting, knitting itself. Yeah. I liked the, the dishes. dishes being washed. 
my last thing on the movie. I don't know if you have anything else on the movie in this I chapter. I don't think so. Oh, wait, no, of course. The gnomes. We didn't see we any don't fucking see gnomes. Any gnomes. That, that was my I last thing. I get that too. they had to cut. So that was your last thing? Yeah. But now I have another thing. They, Fuck me. I, <laughs> I get that they had to cut the gnomes because there's just so much. There's so much in these books. How do you include everything? But man, do I miss the fucking gnomes. That's why I always think of Lego Harry Potter in this instance because that is where you get all the gnome goodness. Um, I, I don't know. know. I love that gnome moment. I said that was my last thing, but I forgot the most important thing. Mark Williams as Arthur Weasley is such a delight. Yeah. This is our first time meeting him in the book and the movie, and he's so delightful. I follow him on Instagram. He is always very active in Harry Potter events. Him and Chris Rankin, who we didn't mention at all, who plays Percy Weasley. Yeah. He doesn't really do much in the chapter. In the movie, I actually think that they give Chris Rankin more to do than you would expect from Percy when they're trying to cut out things because he's great in the role. But Mark Williams be at platform nine and three quarters at King's Cross Station, or they'll do like that photo op on September first. Oh my 1st. god, are you fucking kidding? He goes to the Wizarding World. He That's goes to best. like uh, Leaky Con and all those things. He's just fun, and I love him. And we get the line, which is not from the book. What exactly is the function of a, of a rubber duck? It's so good. There we go. Those are my thoughts on the chapter and I the love movie. It. We do always talk a little bit about character differences, and in the book. Arthur Weasley is a little bit more frail, but I don't fucking care. Like, he's perfect. I want him to be lighter. It's just easier to put on the screen when they're not as rigid or as serious, I think. Yeah. That's a general comment that's not just like, I think that about so-and-so as an actor or a characterization. I just think in general, it's it's easier to watch on screen. You know? It feels more authentic in the movie, too. I mean, authentic is the like buzzword for this chapter. Everything about this feels so authentic to me, despite you know the magical circumstances. I love this chapter. Yeah. Want to know who I'm giving points to? <clears throat> sure do. So in the first episode of this season, I said I was gonna like rein it in, maybe give like two positive, two negative. Yeah, that's all out the door. There were just too many people. When you move away from the Dursleys, how can you not like reward and punish some of these characters? <laughs> Plus five to Hedwig because she gets to fly Fuck after being yes, finally being caged up. Ron is thriving in this book. Plus ten to Ron. Yes, um, Ron. We just learned so much more about him, his home life. He comes to rescue Harry. Yes. Hell yes, Ron. But Ron wasn't the only one who came. So plus 10 to Fred and plus 10 to George as well. Plus 20 to Molly because Molly. That's a good reason. <laughs> like, I mean, if Molly's there, I'm gonna give her points. I feel like she's bound to win one of these books. And then the only takeaway that I'm doing is negative 20 to Lawn Gnomes because <laughs> they seem annoying. One of them bit Harry or Ron. I can't. Harry. Yeah, yes. Which is rude. I mean, I still really, really miss them in the movie, but... You know, some of these creatures you love to hate. So to recap, plus five Hedwig, plus 10 to Ron, Fred, and George, plus 20 to Molly, negative 20 to Lawn Gnomes. And that is chapter three. Yeah. So in the next episode, we're going to be reading chapter four at Flourish and Blots. That's right. Yeah. What else do you want from us? We did it. You'll see us. I always say that. You'll hear us. You'll see us in your dreams. (laughs) That's terrifying. No, I'm it's sorry. Not. Good night. They probably are like, ooh, there they are again. They are sexy, and then they wake up in a puddle. Oh my okay. god! No. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Basic Snitches is produced and recorded by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by Adam Bowers. And published by Tara Corkery via Podbean. And now available for download wherever you listen to podcasts. A special thanks to all of you for taking the time to download and listen to us. We hope you enjoyed us. If you enjoyed us, please be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice. And if you didn't enjoy us, then we're sorry you're so angry. Please also connect with us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Basic Snitches or email us at basicsnitches at gmail.com. We're excited to get more feedback from our listeners and to hear what you have to say about the questions and discussions we have on the podcast. Catch Catch you later, snitches. snitches!